Good morning and a warm welcome to you all to Ladywell Baptist Church and our time of worship together this morning. I hope that you've had a good past week and that you're prepared uh, to gather, albeit in your own homes, to worship God together this morning as we come together in song and in prayer and humbly around God's word, seeking to be informed uh, and then sent out as a transformed people into this world to see transformation come to our community. As we begin this new week, just a reminder to you of our Monday night drop-in cafe at half past seven on Zoom and our Wednesday night prayer meeting and Bible study continuing in Matthew's Gospel again at half past seven on Zoom. And also just a, um, a quick note to let you know that over the next number of weeks, we're going to be sending out some uh, short reflections and uh, attached questionnaires to everyone in the church as far as we're able to, um, either through regular mail or uh, online uh, via email. We'll also post uh, a link to it on the, the church Facebook page and website. And these reflections and questionnaires have been designed by the Baptist Union of Scotland to help us think through the experience that we've shared during lockdown, what it has meant for us to um, be a church in lockdown, um, things that we have tried in order to be able to to continue worshipping together, to support one another and so on. Um, Perhaps even things that we haven't done that that in reflection we maybe should have. And over five weeks we're going to have a a reflection and a few questions come uh, with an opportunity for us just to reflect on our experience and also to direct us to the future, to look ahead and think, what of this experience should we learn from? What should we build on? What can we maintain, can we keep and use from this time of lockdown? I know answering questionnaires isn't always uh, our favorite thing to do, uh, but I would encourage you to prayerfully consider, to reflect, uh, and then to fill out the questions and send them back. The more responses we get, the more useful it will be for us as a church together and for churches together across all of Scotland as we think about uh, what it has meant for us to go through this experience with all of its challenges and indeed with some of its blessings. So please be prepared to receive some of those um, questionnaires beginning over the, over the next uh, couple of weeks and uh, if you could fill them out and send them back in however you're able to, we would really appreciate that. As we come to worship, we're taking a brief pause from Genesis over the summer holidays. You may not have realized that the school holidays have begun. It's probably not going to um, hugely change your daily routine. Uh, and yet, over the school holidays, we're, we're going to take a brief pause from Genesis uh, and focus on a new short series of five uh, studies throughout Scripture, looking at core um, beliefs of the Christian church, core elements uh, of our faith without which we cannot function as Christian men and women. These um, core beliefs, these core um, areas of the Christian life were all uh, first formulated clearly in the way we're going to look at them during the Protestant Reformation. Uh, And so as we go through each week, we're going to look uh, at what it means to be a Christian man or a Christian woman, a Christian church together in light of uh, sola scriptura, that is uh, our faith, 
coming from Scripture alone, that we base ourselves on what the Bible says uh, about God, about us, about Jesus, and about who we are in light of all he has done. Uh, sola gratia, that is by, faith, by grace alone, uh, that we are saved by the grace of God and not through any effort on our own part. Sola fide, uh, that we are saved by faith in Christ alone, uh, and that our faith comes not as a result of uh, our works, but our faith in Jesus. We do not um, somehow earn favor with Christ uh, but we place our faith in him, and in light of that we are saved. Solus Christus, that we are saved by Jesus alone. There is no other means for men and women to be saved in this world than that of Jesus and Solideo Gloria, all to the glory of God alone. That is why we exist as a Christian people. Now, just using those titles, there's Latin and there's all sorts of interesting words going on there. It may uh, at first put you off, but I would encourage you um, to participate in these studies over the next five weeks and to consider what it is for us to be a Christian people in light of these core elements uh, without which our faith would be utterly changed and in fact um, completely destroyed. So we're going to spend some time this morning in Second Timothy uh, as we consider um, that first element of our faith, uh, sola scriptura, that our faith comes from ultimately from scripture alone. It is rooted and grounded in what scripture teaches about us and God and Jesus, our Savior. And so as we begin our time together, we're going to hear from God's word. And we read in Psalm 19 these words, The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. And as that psalm comes to an end, we hear these words. Let the meditation, uh, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. And we make that our prayer as we begin our time of worship together, that our hearts and minds would be focused, meditating on Christ on what scripture tells us about him and who we are in light of all of that. So let's pray together as we begin our time of worship. Our loving Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning as your people. Lord, we thank you for this new week. We thank you for the week gone by and all the opportunities and blessings that you have given us. And yet, Lord, as we come to this time of worship, we come in humility Lord, recognizing that there are many times we have failed you over this past week, perhaps even this morning as we've prepared to come to worship, we feel that we have not lived in a manner that is appropriate for uh, Christian people. And so, Lord, we come before you giving thanks for the week gone by and yet asking for your forgiveness. Lord, that as we come before you and before your word this morning, you would use it to make us aware, Lord, of our inadequacy, of our sinfulness, of our need for you. And yet, Lord, that you would in, 
informing us of this, by your word, you would lead us on and help us to see that in you we have all we need. In Christ, we have our perfect Savior. So we ask, Lord, for forgiveness in Jesus' name. Lord, we ask for strength and for the desire to worship you in this time in light of all Jesus has done for us and all that he is to us. Lord God, we thank you for your goodness to us as a fellowship. And yet, Lord, we recognize there are many who are not able to participate in the service in this way, Sunday by Sunday. And so, Lord, we lift them before you and ask that you would bless our whole church wherever we are this morning. Lord, bless each one with a knowledge of your presence, with a desire to worship you. And Lord, that knowledge that as we draw closer to you, you are pleased to have us come into your presence with song and with prayer and before your word. And so, Lord God, we commit all we do in this time together to you and ask that you might meet with us in Jesus' name. Amen. Our reading this morning comes from 2 Timothy chapter 3, and we'll read from verse 14 to 17. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. This is the word of the Lord, and we ask God's blessing upon our reading of it this morning. Let's come together in prayer. Let's pray. Sovereign Lord, we give you thanks that you are indeed the Lord of all creation. There is nothing outside of your view, nothing outside of your power or understanding. And Lord, as we gather to worship this morning, we give you thanks that such a great and mighty God as you would not just command that we come and worship you, but welcome us into your presence with gladness and hear our praise and our adoration and our thanks. Present before us your word that we might be built up and equipped and trained for every work that you've prepared for us. Lord, that you might lead us on in our walk with you and that we might become more mature as a result of your care and your nurture. It is astonishing to us that you would attend to us so carefully, so lovingly, and so gently. And so, Lord, we give you thanks for this time. Lord, we want to give you thanks for our church and ask that you would be with each one of us, whatever our circumstances. Lord, to those who are downcast and brokenhearted, we ask that you would bind them up and strengthen them. To those who are sick, we pray that you would heal and restore body and mind. Lord God, to those who are in need, we pray that you would move through our congregation and in leading us to be a generous and a loving people as you are a generous and a loving God, may we meet the needs of those within our fellowship and also those within our community. Lord God, we lift our community before you this morning and ask that you might bless the people of Ladywell. 
Lord God, we are concerned for them. We, Lord, love them and want them to know that they have a wonderful God, a God that we know and that they can know. Lord, we pray that you would bless this community through the presence of our church. Lord, may you make the gospel known in this place. May hope be given to this people. May transformation come to this community. Lord God, we pray as well, not just for our community here, but for our whole nation across the UK. And we ask, Lord, as we move through this time of lockdown, you would bless our government and our leaders, both in Westminster and in Holyrood, with wisdom in knowing how quickly to move us through this process of reintegration back into normal life. Lord God, we pray that they would have courage, that they would be willing and able, Lord, to um, shrug off the insults and the frustrations of people, and Lord, do what is right whatever uh, popular opinion may be. Lord God, we pray especially for our First Minister in Scotland, Nicola Sturgeon, and for our Prime Minister, Boris Johnson, and ask, Lord, that you would be with them, you would strengthen them physically and mentally, and, Lord, that you would lead them. Father, we ask more than anything else that you would save them and transform their lives as we know and have experienced here in our church. And Lord, in this way, they might know a hope that goes beyond the work that they can do as men and women leading this nation. Lord, that they might know your leading, your equipping, and your guiding. Heavenly Father, we pray for our world, and it pains us to read in the news of coronavirus taking hold in countries all over this world, and Lord, having a deeply significant impact. Lord, so many countries are seeing the, the toll of um, diagnosis of coronavirus, but also deaths as a result uh, run quickly out of control. And so we pray, Lord, for the governments of our world that they would move quickly, Lord, they would move confidently, and they would move, Lord, for the best interests of their people. They would protect their people and care for the sick. Lord, that they would grieve with those who grieve, Lord, that they would uh, seek to put in place support for businesses that would otherwise go bust through a time of lockdown. Lord God, this is a very difficult time for us all. And yet, Lord, we know that you are the God of all creation and you are in control of all things. And so we humbly submit ourselves to you, knowing that you will lead us through, that nothing is wasted in the economy of God, that all things work together for the good of those who love you. And it's hard for us to hear those words in light of all we've experienced, Lord, and yet our trust is not in man and the solutions that man can provide. It is not simply in nature that it might run its course and see some of us spared. Our confidence is in the Lord of all creation, who is in control of all things, who will uphold us and sustain us so that even should we be afflicted by this illness and lose our lives, we are secure in your hands forever. Lord God, we commit all of these things, these problems, these peoples into your hands and ask, Lord, that you would in your mercy, grace and love oversee all of these things. Lord God, we come before you this morning as a people who've been transformed by Jesus. 
who have been welcomed into your presence in his name. And so, Lord, it is in his name that we pray. Amen. As we've gone through this experience over the last number of weeks and months of lockdown, there's been a constant question before us. Who do we listen to? Whose authority should we base our actions? Should we live our lives according to the way we feel we ought to, that the things that we want to do, the places we want to go, the people we want to see? Or should we base it on uh, what the government has said, the advice that the government has given, uh, the guidance that we've all been called to follow? It's interesting that to begin with, uh, although there may have been some resistance very quickly we move just into the way of accepting this is the way things are, this is what the government has called us to do. And yet as time has gone on, we've found greater and greater difficulty, greater and greater frustration in remembering uh, those commands given, that guidance given by our government and living it out. As you maybe saw in the media over uh, the, um, this past week, as lockdown has begun to be relaxed and as the good weather uh, has come back again, the hot summer days um, have reappeared again from uh, a couple of weeks of rain, that beaches all over the place, tourist spots all over the country were absolutely rammed with people. You could barely see the sand on the beach. There were so many people um, just desperate to get out and get a bit of sun and uh, a little bit of company. It's been interesting that while we've been in lockdown, there has been a tendency to take the authority of the government on board. And yet now as things begin to ease, uh, I think the fears perhaps of the government have been realized that people have just tipped right over into just ignoring all of that guidance and just seeking to go back to the way things were. Who we listen to, our authority, is an incredibly um, vital thing. It's very important for us as Christian men and women to ask, where does our authority come from? Who is our authority? Where do we seek guidance and advice when everything seems to be falling apart? Where will we go to figure out how we're supposed to endure when things are going well? Where will we appeal to to understand what we're supposed to do with all of these blessings that we've been given by God? In the history of the church, that has been uh, again and again the Bible. Although it's had a bit of a checkered history through the life of the church. Certainly in the early centuries of the church, the Bible was esteemed. In fact, men and women died to possess bits of the Bible, not even copies of the whole thing. It was expensive to produce and people eagerly desired it so that they might ground uh, their lives on the teaching that they found within those pages. Over time, however, that changed. As the, the structure, the edifice of the church grew, eventually the authority of the church came not exclusively the Bible, but the teaching of the church. And come the time of the Protestant Reformation, men like Luther and Calvin and Knox and others had begun to press against this dual authority of the Word of God, but also the teaching, the traditions of the church. 
Luther famously um, struggled with this, which is what sought him, uh, which resulted in him seeking uh, to reform the, the church of his day. And when it was clear that reformation wouldn't really come to the church, it was unwilling to be reformed, we find the Protestant church began, and we are here as a result today with all of the various denominations uh, within the Western Christian world that we see today. And without wanting to spend too much time raking over church history or, or too much time um, glorifying or vilifying characters in that history, it's important for us to ask, as Christian people, as a foundation of who we are, where does our authority lie? Where do we go when we want to know who we are, when we want to know who God is and how on earth we're supposed to live in relationship with him, especially in light of uh, sin and death and all of the struggles that we face each and every day? The answer of the reformers is that our authority comes from the word of God and the word of God alone. Sola Scriptura is the term that's been used to describe that over the last several centuries. And in that term is simply that idea that we ground ourselves on the authority of Scripture alone, that it alone contains what is necessary for us to know who we are, who God is, and how we are to live with him both now and on into eternity. And so it seems right for us to take a pause um, as we've been going through Genesis and just over the summer consider who we are as a Christian people and where our foundations truly lie, what these foundations actually are. And as we come to our passage in Second Timothy, we find that our authority today in 21st century Livingston is the Word of God and the Word of God alone. And we find for three reasons uh, Paul teaching that in this short passage in 2 Timothy chapter 3. And the first reason Paul has for um, encouraging us to that end is that through Scripture, salvation is revealed to sinful people. In the first couple of verses, Paul says, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. He's basically saying to Timothy that you have been raised to believe all of these good and right things on the foundation of the teaching of Scripture themselves. Now, Paul talks about the people who've been instrumental in Timothy's life in this letter. He talks about uh, Timothy's mother and grandmother, and Paul even includes himself as somebody who has been instrumental in the shaping of this young man's life. But Paul's desire, as we find here, is not to focus on the people as authority in Timothy's life, but to focus on the Word of God that they used to reveal to Timothy his standing before God and what must be done in order for him to know God, love him, and serve him forever. All of this is found in the scriptures, and, and Timothy is expected to view the authority of the scriptures as um, prime in his life, as the first and foremost authority. Um, Alistair Begg helpfully puts, uh, summarizes scripture in this way. He says, in the Old Testament, we have Jesus predicted. 
In the Gospels, we have Jesus revealed. In Acts, we have Jesus preached. In the Epistles, we have Jesus explained. In Revelation, we have Jesus expected. And essentially, all of it is consumed with who Jesus is and what that means for us. What that reveals to us about our nature as a sinful people who need to be saved and yet have nowhere to turn in and of themselves. They need a saviour who comes and Jesus comes to be our saviour. Scripture then goes on to talk about what will happen in light of that salvation, but it's all centering around who God is, who man is, and how the two uh, interact together. It's all revealed in Scripture. And scripture alone is our authority. Paul doesn't say to Timothy that he should listen to whatever his mother says or whatever his grandmother says or even whatever Paul says. In fact, in Galatians, Paul encourages the believers uh, that he's writing to not to trust Paul, but to trust the words of scripture, to test what Paul says constantly against the teaching of scripture. Because if anyone comes to the, the believers in that early church with anything that does not fit with what Scripture says, then they are to not listen to a single word those people say there, to put them away uh, and to not consider any of those um, teachings again. And so we find Paul's encouragement to Timothy, but also to us in how we see Scripture as the sole authority in our lives. The Reformers came to this position because they were dealing with a church that had elevated its teaching to the same level of authority. And, and that sounds fine when, when you explain it perhaps in this way, that, that Scripture is difficult to understand in places. It surely is. And we need a help sometimes to understand how to figure out what Scripture means and, and how it all fits together. That makes sense. But the challenge is, if man's authority is on a level of, of, of authority alongside Scripture, then who gets to decide which one is right when they appear to be in conflict, when they appear to be differing from one another. And that was the struggle the reformers had. Who ultimately is the real authority here? Is it the word of God or is it the teaching of the church? And the reformers believed that for a Christian, it can only be the word of God for one simple reason, and that is that men and women are frail and make mistakes all the time. We misunderstand the Word of God all the time. We misinterpret it. We misapply it. We, we live our lives in ways that we know we ought not to. And then when the, um, the wrongness, the sinfulness of our lives are exposed, we try and cover it up rather than dealing with our sin before God and having Him forgive us. And so the challenge is, if the teaching of men and women is to be elevated to the same level of Scripture, ultimately which one do you trust in? the most. And for us today as a Christian people, this is as central an issue as it was for the reformers, for all that our circumstances may have changed. And it's right for us to ask, what is the foundation of your life? Is it the Word of God? Or is it the authority of somebody that you know and love, a family member, a friend, a minister even? Because the difficulty with placing authority in the hands of somebody else is always whose authority wins when it comes down to it. Is it the word of God or is it the words of men? 
Paul's encouragement to Timothy is encouragement that I would have uh, to you, that you come to church each week, hopefully you're sitting this morning with the Word of God open in front of you, so that as I share with you what I believe Scripture is teaching, you're able to read along and see what I'm saying and from where I'm saying it. So that if you think I'm wrong, we have some basis to come together and, and you can Come and say, I, I just, I just didn't agree, or I didn't understand, or that doesn't seem right, and we can reason together from the one source of authority, rather than me standing as your pastor and saying, you must believe because I say. It's tempting to do that, isn't it? Not just for me, but for all of us. It's, it's what parents across the land say to their children every single week. Not parents like me, obviously, but, but parents say to their kids, I want you to do as I say. And when the argument comes back that they've seen us doing something different, do as I say and not as I do. It's always our desire, isn't it, to just resort back to a call to authority. I am the parent, you will do as you're told. And so our temptation when it comes to life is the same. We're tempted to elevate our own authority above the Word of God. It makes sense to me to live in this way. I know the Bible says that, but it makes more sense to me to live in this way. It makes sense for me to view my life within this certain set of parameters, to see my life in this way, that what I'm doing is good and right. I know the Bible says, but but I'm, and in our culture today, I'm living out my truth. If ever there was a nonsense phrase uh, for us to use, my truth, as if there is no external authority, no external source of truth, but in our culture there isn't. And it seeps into our thinking. Ultimately, the reason this is important is, as the Reformers said, and as Paul says to Timothy here, our very salvation depends on understanding where authority truly lies. Scripture reveals that God made this universe, that made men and women in his image, and they fell, and they turned away from God, and as such, all of mankind is mired in sin and is lost, is in need of a Savior. And God reveals in his word who this Savior is going to be, how he will bring this Savior um, into the world, and what the Savior will do to bring about your salvation. And if our authority is in what I think and in what I do and what makes sense to me or in what makes sense to somebody else that I listen to, that I respect, and it contradicts Scripture, how can I have any confidence that I am truly a Christian? Because God has said in His Word what a Christian is, how one is to be saved from all of the sins that corrupt our lives. And if we are not going to follow those instructions because we have our own separate authority, then we can have no confidence that we are saved. In fact, we will not be saved. We will simply be lost forever, but sadly go in the confidence that we actually aren't. And it's a future that a great many people in our world go to every single day because they have been their own authority or they've had somebody else that has been their authority and not the Word of God. It's one of the reasons why the authors of Scripture keep calling their readers back to what has already been written in the Word, because it's not their authority. It is God's authority that they are appealing to. This helps us understand where we've come from. 
It helps us understand the future we're going to, and it helps us understand how we are to live every day in the here and now. The Bible doesn't lay out every detail of your life, what you're supposed to do at 6 a.m. on Monday, um, on the second Monday in June. It doesn't lay out what breakfast cereal you should have um, every third week of May. It lays out who you are, where you've come from, who you need to be if you want to know and love your Creator and be sustained and blessed by Him every single day and where you're going on into the future, if you trust in Him or where you're going into the future if you don't. In the end, it reveals to us, as an authority, everything about who we are. And if we place our authority in another, we can have no real confidence that we know God at all. Scripture reveals to us where our salvation lies and what our salvation truly means. Secondly, Paul says in verse 16 that through Scripture, all Christians are made complete. (coughs) He continues uh, that not only is Scripture the revelation of salvation to those who need it, it is also instruction breathed out by God that's profitable for our teaching, for our reproof, correction, and for training in righteousness. Now, all of those uses for Scripture point to one thing Paul tells us, that the man of God may be complete. And as we read God's Word, as we make it our authority, as we consider it, as we strive to put it into practice and live by it, and when we fail, confess our failure to God and and start again, this time to, to do better, hopefully, we find that Scripture shapes us and molds us. It refines us. It actually brings about change in connection with God's Holy Spirit that he's given us when we become Christians. The two work together and act as a power of transformation in our lives. What is the alternative? The alternative is to have ourselves or others as an authority. And when we do that, we find that we live as others instruct us to, and we have no real way of determining whether they're right or wrong unless Scripture is our ultimate authority, but we live in that way because it makes sense or whatever else. But our our uh, refinement always rests in the hands of someone else, another human being who is just as frail and weak as we are. There was... Um, a number of years ago, an Airbus flying from Paris to LA and it experienced engine failure. And everyone in that plane could see and feel that something really serious, something fundamentally wrong uh, was happening with the plane. But what could any of the passengers on that plane actually do about it? Nothing. There was nothing they could do. The only people that could do anything about that problem were in the cockpit of the plane, were the ones in control. And so it is with our lives if we have someone else as an authority that instructs us on how we are to be made complete, how we are to be refined and transformed and elevate that to the same level or above the Word of God. We put ourselves in the position of a spectator in our own lives and entrust our well-being, our future growth into the hands of somebody who is no more qualified than we are. This was, again, the the position that the Reformers took uh, as they began the the Protestant Reformation, that all of your hope as a, 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 a 
A believer within the Roman Catholic Church was placed essentially into the hands of your priest. They are the ones that interceded for you on your behalf before God. They are the ones who essentially provide salvation and sanctification, ongoing process of being made more holy. They are the ones through whom that was mediated. You couldn't do it by yourself. And the reformers had a massive problem with that. Because God himself in his word says that this is what he will do, not through another, but he will do it through his word and by his spirit. His spirit has breathed out this word that's profitable for our teaching, reproof and correction. Now, does that mean we don't need any help? Of course not. That's what preachers are for, to explain the Word of God in a way that is consistent with what God has said in that passage and across the rest of Scripture that will aid us in our understanding so that we will be transformed by the renewing of our minds, as Paul says in Romans chapter 12, that we're not going to think the way the world does. Our thinking will be renewed, will be transformed through the applying of God's Word to our minds. And so we'll be uh, made complete. We will be built up and equipped. And so the question we have is, where does your hope and your assurance lie? If we find that we are basing ourselves on the teaching, on the rules, on the laws of other men and women, then we have to hope that what they put in place is, if not perfect, is as close as it's possible to get to perfect. And I don't know anyone in that category. If we base our lives on the um, on our society and what our society decides is good and right, we have to recognize that what society views as good and right changes with every passing generation. When you think about the way that our society viewed the world 50 years ago, it is utterly different to the way that we did. If you look at the way society um, conducted itself 200 years ago, it is foundationally different to the way that we live our society today. So much has changed, and we would say for the better, in part, and perhaps in some cases for the worst, but it is utterly different. And if that is our authority, we have to recognize there is every chance that Christians 50 years, 100 years into the future will look back on us and say how utterly wrong they got it. And if that is the foundation of how we grow in our relationship with God, we're not going anywhere. Or is our authority, is our hope, our assurance, our foundation, the word of God that never changes? It hasn't changed for 2,000 years. And what we find in the pages of the New Testament merely fulfill and corroborate everything that is written in the Old Testament. So even with the writing of the New Testament, the word of God hasn't changed. It has been the same since it was delivered to those Old Testament saints. And in that foundation, we find something that can refine us and point us the right way because for all we change every day, it stays consistent. I want you to imagine for a moment that you're on a ship and it's dark or it's foggy. There is no way for you to see the way ahead, but you have 
charts and you have uh, a compass and you understand how to use uh, all of these things to, to navigate. You know where you are, you just need to know how to, to get to your destination. What would happen if you decided just on a whim every half an hour you were going to change the direction of north on the compass? You would just move it a random number of degrees around the compass and then you would recalibrate everything based on your decision. That is what we do when we place our authority, when we invest our culture or ourselves with authority as against the word of God. We recalibrate every few years. And so we find ourselves completely adrift in the sea of our lives with no idea where we are, what direction we're facing, where north is, and where we're to go. But when we have the word of God that doesn't change... We find it is always pointing in the right way. So wherever we are and whatever circumstance we face, we know that if we go this way that scripture reveals, we will always go right however much culture and society and family and friends push against us and say they don't like what we're doing, where we're going, what we're saying or how we think. And this has never been a greater challenge uh, to Christians over the last few hundred years than it has been today as we find culture abandoning completely what Scripture has said and basing our society on secular values that shift like sand, like the sea, every single day. Scripture reveals to a sinful people where salvation is to come. And so it must be the foundation of our lives if we wish to be saved from our sins. Scripture reveals to us how Christians are made complete. It points us to the future and shows us the way we are to go. Whatever type of life we have, whether we're employed or unemployed, a parent, um, a child, whatever it might be. And finally, we find Paul saying in verse 17 that through Scripture we are equipped for every good work here and now. He concludes this section by telling Timothy why the man of God should be made complete, grounded upon the word of God, why he should be made holy, and it's so that he might be equipped for doing every good work. And this is perhaps a great challenge for us as Christian people is that we are pointed to the future and we know how the future ends if we've grounded ourselves on the authority of God's word, that um, that Christ will return, that he will judge mankind, that um, those who have trusted in Christ for their salvation will be ushered into God's presence to live and serve him for all eternity. But how do we get from here to there? How, how do we do that? We know that process will result in our being made more holy, more capable, as we've just thought. But, but physically, how do we get there? The answer is ultimately through work that God has prepared beforehand for us, as Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2, 8 to 10. That's why you've been saved, to work, to, to labor for God's glory in a whole variety of different ways in every area of your life so that you progress from where you are now to that glorious eternal future. And so Paul says to Timothy that you are to be complete, equipped for every good work to that end. And the challenge for Timothy was to know how to lead a church well, how to encourage his brothers and sisters to grow in their knowledge of the Lord, to see sinners saved, to encourage worship and, and so on. That's what Paul is encouraging Timothy to 
When it came to the reformers, that was ultimately their desire, that they would work well, they would do good work for the glory of God, not because it would earn them favor with God and and contribute something to their salvation, which is where the teaching of the church had gone in those centuries leading up to uh, the time of Luther. The church had come to take the view, as it still does, the Roman Catholic Church, that Christ's death makes your good works um, contribute to your salvation. And so you are saved in part through the work of Jesus, but in part through the good things that you do. And the reformers wanted to separate that out, that you are saved through Jesus' work and Jesus' work alone for the purpose of doing good things for the sake of your fellow brothers and sisters, for the sake of your world, but more than anything else, simply for the glory of God. So when we encounter a new situation, when we enter into a new time in life, what is our authority? Is it people we know and respect that have gone ahead of us, who have a lot of experience? Not dismissing that. That's great to have someone to act as a mentor. Paul encourages um, the church to ensure that sort of structure is put in place. The old men should teach younger men and older women should teach younger women. But what should they be teaching them? Not their own wisdom, but the word of God itself. And so where is our authority? As we go into new areas of life, as we try and figure out how am I to live? How am I to serve God? How am I to worship in this particular area as a parent in 21st century Livingston? with kids in primary school, with all of the, um, the, the complications that that brings to their lives and, and to my life. How, how am I to be a, a, a parent and serve them and bring them up? How am I to serve my church? How am I to bless and encourage my wife? How am I to do any of these things? Well, Scripture teaches me how I am to do them, how I am to, um, to serve in all of these areas. It builds me up and trains me and rebukes me so that I am prepared to be the best husband I can be, the best parent I can be, the best pastor I can be, and the full knowledge I'm going to muck it up. I'm going to make a mess, and yet Christ will forgive me as I seek his forgiveness and will continue to lead me on. And the same is true for every one of you. Where is your authority? Where does it lie? Do you feel adrift constantly in your life, not knowing where you should go and what you should do? Well, the Word of God is your authority, so you know that wherever you go and whatever you do, this is how you conduct yourself. Not on the teaching of men and women in society, but based upon what God has surely said. Through the teaching of Scripture, we are equipped so that we will be able to do good work, ultimately so that God himself will receive the glory that it will not be given to us, but will be given to him. And so the challenge before us this morning as we begin this new series is what do we base our lives on? Is it on the teaching of men and women, on ourselves or on others? Or is it the word of God himself who knows us fundamentally better than we know even ourselves. The word of God that he breathed out so that we might know him and love him and serve him and worship him without constructing a formal shell of of traditions or observances that lead us to focus on the structure rather than the Savior. As we 
stand upon God's word. As we place our confidence on scripture and on scripture alone, let us enjoy reading the word of God. Let us enjoy putting it into practice, living by it and knowing God through it. For without scripture, we would be lost indeed. Amen. As we come to the end of this time of worship and prepare to go back out into the coming week, I want you to go in the blessing of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen.